You are listening to Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs. Breaking Bad, Dermoscopy of Pink. Um, so this is that uh, sort of algorithm that Jenny walked us through, and pink pops up throughout this. You can see pink and vascular structures in the area of no off to the right, meaning now is this a dermatofibroma, a basal cell, a subcarin, angioma, a squamous cell. So we're gonna talk through all the pink that we see in those lesions, but also talk about the pinks that we see related to melanomas. Um, and really what we're talking about here, just as Denny, Jenny did with brown structures, the benign and the malignant is say, well, what about with pink changes on the skin? what is a benign or okay change, and what is something that makes me say like, I don't, I don't, whatever, whatever this is, pigment network or not, I'm gonna get this off the patient. So we're gonna focus a little bit more on these lower levels. So these are sort of depictions of those benign vascular patterns. And again, remember the goal is not to necessarily definitively diagnose something such as the pattern on the far right. I think by the end you'll recognize that this is a uh, sebaceous hyperplasia where you've got those yellow globules and then crowning vessels. Um, let me start over going left to right. This is a cherry angioma picture, and the one next to it, similarly, those maroon lagoons, very nicely rounded, sometimes septate and touching each other with that white fibrous septa in the center. I'll show you pictures of that. And it can have a mixture of uh, red and purple, and even a very, very dark purple-brown from thrombosed uh, vessels. The middle image here, this is string of pearls. Uh, so this is a finding that you see in clear cell acanthomas, and I'll show you uh, both clinical and dermatoscopic pictures of that. And then the fourth picture in, these are comma vessels, but you can see that the cartoon has a little bit of tan kind of airbrushed over the top. This is, a comma vessel is normal when it's in the setting of tan pigment. This is a dermal nevus. But on the far left, these are now images that are all concerning vascular changes. So comma-shaped vessels without some pigment, that can be concerning. Dotted vessels, especially if it's a localized and only part of the lesion. So this idea of certain findings and where they're distributed is important. So if it's dotted vessels throughout, that might be a spitz nevus, and arguably we're interested in biopsying that anyway. But I'll show you some pictures where dotted vessels are psoriasis, but they're gonna take up the entire lesion. Serpentine vessels, corkscrew vessels, mixtures of different vessel patterns that are seen in polymorphous uh, vessels, these are all concerning, and pretty much if you see those, you're gonna take them off. We mentioned in that one image at the end that Jenny showed that milky red glob down at the bottom. Milky red globs, you're pretty much always interested in figuring out why that's there. Hairpin vessels, these are really commonly seen in squamous cell skin cancers, and I'll show you an image of that. Glomerular or coiled vessels, this is a warning sign. You pretty much always want to figure out why those are happening because it's a measure of growth. Something is very uh, busy and happening there. You can see this in both squamous cells and melanoma. And then arborizing or branching vessels. And what's going to be a, hopefully useful is to discuss how a crowning vessel in a sebaceous hyperplasia is different than an arborizing vessel. And one of the main take-home points that I'll just give you early is arborizing vessels cross to the middle or even past it, whereas a crowning vessel will not reach that far. So distinguishing a sebaceous hyperplasia, the vessel is short, it stops before the middle and doesn't cross it, whereas an arborizing vessel in a basal cell will. So some people like text, some people like pictures, so all of this is here in your handout. The main ones at the bottom, the things that we really wanna look for, those arborizing vessels that are a sign of basal cell, various different vessel patterns that are a sign of squamous cell, but also those amelanotic melanomas where you've got those red milky globules, red milky areas, the dotted vessels again and only part of the lesion, and often in the setting, again, at that periphery, sometimes of some pigment network, giving you the sense that this is some sort of pigmented lesion, maybe somewhere in there, but the serpentine and corkscrew vessels 
or some mixture of all of those together is concerning for amelanotic melanoma. All right. So just to reinforce some of this early stuff, which of these pink patterns is a benign pattern, A, B, C, or D? Good. So what was this the pattern of again? Clear cell acanthoma. That's right. So what's A? What's the name of that? Glomeruloid. Yep. C was what? Yep. And D is the arborizing vessel. Good. All right. So this is a 54-year-old woman. She's come in with this spot that she's had for years. Dermatology makes me humble because this happened to me not too long ago, where a woman came in and I'd seen her for a skin check a year or two ago, and I look at the spot in her nose, and I'm like, oh, that looks like a dermal nevus, it's probably been there for years, but for some reason, I stretched it, or I pulled out my dermatoscope and I looked at it, and I was frustrated with myself. So the, the idea of like clinically questioning everything on the skin, being willing to put on your, your dermatoscope on just about anything, because it does change your practice. So in this woman, if I was thinking it was a dermal nevus, and I've tried to put the cartoons along with the clinical images, because I think that, uh, at least for me, it reinforces what I'm looking at and what those cartoons uh, represent, a dermal nevus would be on the left. And what you can see in a dermal nevus, and again, always look at the periphery, is a little bit of this very subtle pigment network that's ringing the whole thing. But since we're focused on vascular structures, you see these little comma vessels. So these are fine, they're relatively short, they're sort of arcing, very similar to the cartoon. This is what I would expect if I was right and I hadn't missed the basal cell. So when I put my derm light down, hers was not pigmented, but I saw this arborizing vessel. And an arborizing vessel will very often be rooted at the periphery of the lesion, so the junction between the skin and where the basal cell starts. And you get a relatively thick vessel, which is the trunk, and then as it reaches over towards the middle of the lesion, you get the separation of the tree trunks or the arbor and you can see other very long sort of serpentine, but also arborizing vessels on the surface. So this was a basal cell. Um, and again, I've now just gotten used to looking at things very quickly, but also carefully with my derm light. <clears throat> this is another basal cell that I think reinforces that we're not just talking about pink structures, but we're talking about what some of Jenny mentioned in the brown thing. So we're always sort of, at least for me, I'm thinking through, all right, what are the brown structures that I'm seeing? What are the white structures that I'm seeing? How do I make those fit together into whether I'm concerned or not? And again, that's really the goal here. So in this basal cell, there is an arborizing vessel reaching across more than 50% of this lesion. Even if you didn't say it was an arborizing vessel, the next closest thing might be a serpentine, so a long sort of curvilinear vessel, which is in that group of concerning vessels. This is just a little bit of blood that's collected on the surface. You could say, well, what if that's one lacuna, you know, as if it was a cherry angioma? Cherry angioma has many lacunae that are all fitted together, so that doesn't fit. There's a little bit of scale that's pulling off because there's a very superficial erosion over parts of this basal cell. And then we've talked about those blue-gray irregular globs or clods that are seen in basal cell. And I think this is a really perfect example of how sometimes those basal cells arrange themselves like an oak leaf. So again, dermatoscopic people, when they first developed this field, they were very creative, artful. They came up with a thousand words to describe the same thing. Um, but this is all just those clods, spoke wheel patterns, just that spreading pigment that you see in a basal cell. And it very often has this mixture of both that brown, but also sort of blue-gray color. <clears throat> all right. So just to reinforce again the difference in the vasculature here, you've got that nice, even peripheral pigment network with comma-shaped vessels. 
versus on the right-hand side, you've got these very irregular dots and globs in a basal cell that doesn't fit a real nice um, benign network pattern. And those vessels are not always going to be arborizing. Sometimes they're going to be more serpentine. Um, but the other thing that really helps you detect basal cells, because you might be looking at this and saying, well, gosh, really, those vessel patterns look pretty similar to me. Remember that clinically, you're still stretching and touching, and you're asking about whether this is growing or bleeding easily. So don't let the fact that this takes a little practice, that distinguishing of dermatoscopic patterns, because you still have all that utility of your clinical exam and your history. But on the right-hand side, you have a slightly different vessel pattern with more serpentine vessels, the different pigment um, patterns versus the dermal nevus that's on the right. Or, I'm sorry, left. So this is a woman that came in because she had seen, uh, been seen in a practice uh, somewhere else before, and she was worried because the spot on her head, it was just still there, and she didn't like it. And she said that uh, the person had told her it was a barnacle, um, which she was supremely offended by. <laughs> um, so I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of picky about who I use that sort of analogy with. It's usually not with like 45-year-old women, sort of like the 65-year-old guy with a tattoo on his arm from you know being enlisted. So um, anyway, this woman comes in. So again, she's really nervous. She's already frustrated with care she's gotten some, with somewhere else. This is the perfect time to pull out your dermatoscope and show that you're like really digging into this. So, you know, first thought, yeah, it sort of looks like a skin-colored SK, but you put your derm light down on it. And you're thinking SK, so you're expecting to see those gyri, those sulci, the coral appearance. I don't see it. But what do we see? Yeah, so you guys are really good at this. You're starting to really... Sorry, I'm trying to get the mouse here. Um, there's these little granules all around. They aren't a nice pigment network. And then you see this big vessel traversing most of the, the surface of this lesion. And so this is a basal cell. And this is where, again, kind of looking at things, glancing at them quickly without the stretching that really turns basal cells white or without putting our dermatoscope on, I think we all risk um, making these kind of uh, misses. So this is to compare and contrast what a uh, separate keratosis would look like. Um, so this has that nice skin-colored appearance, but uh, at the periphery really has this image of coral uh, and just that growth. And these are all elevated above the skin. So this is an elevated pattern, squamous cell, or sorry, uh, separate keratosis versus that basal cell. And just comparing and contrasting, you don't see any of those arborizing vessels in a separate keratosis. You get tiny little dotted uh, vessels that are all very homogeneous and nicely distributed throughout the lesion. So I wonder if this happens to you as well. Somebody's had a basal cell, and now every skin-colored bump on them is another basal cell. Sometimes it is, but oftentimes it's not. Um, and so I tend to kind of, both for myself and for the patient, look really carefully at all those other things. And so this gentleman had a basal cell that required a flap on the other side of his nose, and he comes in noting, noticing this lesion now. So we put our derm light down on it, and you see the image on the left-hand side. So what you can see here are these white, yellow kind of globs or blobs. These are sebaceous glands. And what you can see with the vessels are these short little vessels that are going in from the edge towards the middle. Here's a really good example of a slightly bigger one. And this is the central umbilication or indentation that we see very frequently in sebaceous hyperplasia. This is a pretty big one, so that's why it looks so crusty. Um, 
And you know, sometimes people are apt to try and diagnose themselves and pick at it or try and pull it off. Um, so a little bit of trauma can sometimes make this look a little different, but you can still see that very normal yellow globular appearance at the edge. These vessels are very short and linear compared to a basal cell where you might get some of this crystalline structure in a basal cell, it is not always a melanoma finding, but it is something that says, wait a minute, there's something changing down in the dermis, let's figure out what that is. Um, what's changing in the dermis with a sebaceous hyperplasia is you're getting these big globules that are forming and they're round. Whereas this is a very irregular pattern, it's sort of linear, and you see these perfect arborizing vessels, big tree trunks found at the periphery of the lesion at the base, spreading over and across the middle of the basal cell. You've also got, of course, some of these um, blue-gray purple lesions that are probably some um, pigment globules. So difference in findings, and this I think is a really important and sort of practical uh, thing that I use in the clinic all the time. But we also sometimes are thinking about squamous cell carcinoma. That happens on the face as well. And what we can see in this lesion is more of a serpentine vessel that's coming in from the outside. The difference between this squamous cell and the sebaceous hyperplasia, what we're not seeing are those nice round nests. These often tend to be a little bit bigger. Um, they don't have a true umbilication. They often have this very hyperkeratotic crater, sort of like a keratoacanthoma squamous cell would have. So the vascular patterns are gonna be different. These are longer. They tend to cross towards the middle or even past it in both squamous cell and basal cell compared to, uh, sorry, sebaceous hyperplasia. So this is another pink lesion that I see pretty frequently in clinic. This is on the leg of a woman who's had a basal cell and squamous cell before. So she really notices every pink lesion on her skin. Um, and I want to try and not fill her with biopsies. I want to really make them valuable and high yield. Um, so I tend to use my dermatoscope on a lot of things. So looking at this lesion, you know, could it be a superficial basal cell? It's on the differential. Could it be a porokeratosis? Absolutely. Lichenoid keratosis, there's a number of things this could be. Could it be amelanotic melanoma? Yeah that happens. So let's put our dermatoscope on it. And what you would see, this is a porokeratosis, is all of that pink blanches away because I use a polarizing dermatoscope. So there is a little bit of pressure as I kind of look at it, but I'm also looking down at the dermis. What's nice is that I can also see this coronoid lamella, this keratotic structure at the edge. So occasionally you can side light those and I have my derm light in my hand and I'm kind of shining it across so I can see that little shadow that's thrown off by the coronoid lamella, but I can't always see it and that's where I can just put my derm light right on it and really see this nice uh, image. If it was a basal cell skin cancer, it would look a little bit different. So this is a superficial basal cell skin cancer, very similar pink color, but what you can see are these little circular scales. Some of those little circular scales actually become erosions. And so this is a basal cell skin cancer, uh, and this is a nice way that you can also help to distinguish maybe something you thought was a spongiotic dermatitis, like maybe it's numular eczema. What you're actually gonna see are these little erosions and circular scales of a superficial basal. There's also a little bit of pigment right at the edge, and with a lot of my pigmented basal cells, that's where I find the pigment. It's like always right at the edge of those basal cells. That's actually a really useful tool. There are some studies showing that you can decrease your margins just a little bit when you excise a pigmented basal cell because the edge of the pigment, especially when you put your derm light on it, is truly the edge of that clinical lesion. So kind of interesting. All right. I've also got a few patients who make it a little bit hard because they have both psoriasis and they've gotten a lot of light therapy, PUVA. They also just love to play golf because it helps their psoriasis. So they've had a number of non-melanoma skin cancers like squamous cell. So they will come in saying, you know, I've got this new spot. I tried using my cream on it and I don't know if it helped. And so I don't know if it helped because their cream's old or they only used it for a short time 
or because it's actually another non-melanoma skin cancer. So using my derm light or dermatoscope's really been helpful for knowing when to say, just use the cream a little longer versus really doing a biopsy, especially on the lower leg, like where this is located. So on the right-hand side, this is psoriasis. So these are those dotted vessels, which if they were only taking up part of a lesion would be worrisome. But these are dotted vessels throughout this entire lesion. And this is really what causes that auspices sign, which is where when people peel off the scale of the psoriasis, they get that pinpoint bleeding. And it's because those vessels are really pushed up so close to the edge of the epidermis that a little bit of picking at it causes the bleeding. So these are really thick umbilications or uh, undulations in the, the papillary dermis. And these are those little dots of those vessels right up close to the epidermis. Whereas in a squamous cell like this one, what's this pattern of vessel? Glomeruloid. So it's sort of like the glomerulus of the kidney, which is like a ball of blood vessels. So whenever you have a ball of blood vessels, this is bigger, this is pinpoint, this is like a little speck. Big clustered glomeruloid vessels, bad news, biopsy it. This could be a squamous cell or melanoma, but it bears figuring out versus the thicker scale and dotted vessels. All right, so this is a 40-year-old man, tender pink bump on his arm, and it's been there for a while. Um, and Jenny, at the end of her talk, you know, said, like, the history is really important. Um, but I feel like, and maybe you guys get this, I asked somebody, and they're like, how long has it been there? Ah, oh, forever. And I walked into a room the other day and I asked this guy, he's got one you know, pigmented lesion the size of a half dollar on his chest. I'm like, how long has that been there? And he said, oh, forever. I was like, that, it just, I can't stop looking at it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm staring. And we biopsied it, it was melanoma. So I think sometimes we also have to know when to throw out the history. Like, Yes, it's been there forever, but it's been a melanoma the whole time, just growing bigger over time. So, you know, it's always nice to get a sense of that history, but at the same time, sometimes I'm throwing out the history and relying on what I'm seeing clinically and what I'm seeing with my derm light. So this is, I think, pretty typical for my experience. People aren't always sure how, how long it's been there. And they're not really looking at it to see if it's changed, like if this bumpiness is a new change. Um, and you know, a lot of the people in my area are pretty stoic. They're kind of tough, like they're not gonna say something bothers them. Um, so I've gotta put my dermoid on this one. And I'm wondering, Am I gonna see a basal cell? He's 40, you know, maybe he has a job where he works outside. Am I gonna see these arborizing vessels with the thick trunk and kind of the finer uh, branches that come off? Uh, am I gonna see something like a nevus, where especially with a congenital nevus or a nevus that somebody's had for a very long time, it starts to lose some of its pigment and it definitely becomes more papillomatous on the surface. So am I gonna see some of those changes? You can see this is a pretty broad lesion. It incorporates six or eight hair follicles. It's got this reticular network. You're starting to see some of the um, pigment network breaking apart. And you might say, well, gosh, is this really symmetrical? Um, again, you're gonna get the history that this is a lesion they've had for a very long time. And dermoscopy of congenital nevi is a little bit tough because it's a very deep pigment. They're very broad lesions. That's where we tend to really observe them, both with clinical images and dermatoscopic images. This is an epidermal nevus. So again, that was a pretty papillomatous bump on his arm. Maybe it's actually been there his whole life. It was congenital, but as an epidermal nevus. This is what an epidermal nevus looks like. These kind of raised papules that are hyperkeratotic. So remember the stratum corneum has a yellow color. His stratum corneum is thicker, his epidermis is thicker, and that's why it has this yellowish color. Or could this be a squamous cell? So in squamous cell, there's a couple different uh, patterns here. Let me pull up my cartoons. These are the hairpin vessels. So this is actually a looping vessel that comes up for a length and then goes back down. These are pretty common in squamous cell skin cancers you can start to see some of these thicker clustered glomeruloid vessels 
And when you have two or more vessels together, you call that polymorphous. And so this becomes a more concerning lesion uh, if we see this. Could it be a melanotic melanoma? It was kind of pink, it was bumpy, maybe it's been growing quickly. So in this image, what we can see are some of these milky red areas where the arrows are. You really just can't see well-defined vessels. It's just kind of a milky pink homogenous change. Over here, what we can see are some of these dotted vessels that are not taking up the entire lesion. Here we have some serpentine or twisted even a whole section that's really just polymorphous. You can't say that all these vessels are serpentine. And then if we pull from what Jenny was talking about, what names would you maybe apply to this change here? I hear a lot of criss, 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 criss. Yeah, so this is that crystalline structure, which if you want to call it fibrosis or regression, it's white, it's not symmetrical, it doesn't belong there and look at the edge. So there's this tan pigment in a couple different areas that you might say, gosh, I wonder if that, while the predominant change is pink, if this is a pink change on top of what was a melanocytic lesion or is a melanocytic lesion and it's a melanotic melanoma. So use the whole image, the whole picture that you get from that patient. So this is what we actually see on this patient. So, do we like this? I don't. We've got this kind of pink papular area that's sort of milky pink. We've got some vessels at the periphery here that we can see pretty well that almost look a little bit serpentine. So this is something that because of the multiple different structures that we see within it, we're not seeing basal cells. So as we think through, first question, is this melanocytic? Do we see pigment network, homogeneous blue-gray color, or globules? None. So we're not going down to our benign nevus category. We just completely block that side. We're going now to, does it look like a dermatofibroma? Stellate scar-like center? No. Does it look like a seborrheic keratosis? Does it have findings of a basal cell or a cherry angioma? And when you get to the end, even if you can't say, I think this looks like a crystalline structure, you're saying, you know what, it just doesn't look like any of those other things that I can categorize it into. I need to biopsy it. And the basis of your biopsy is, you know, I just don't like this white area over here. That's okay to say. Sorry, I went backwards. And I'm not sure that these are good vascular patterns to have. They seem kind of long, and they're only in one part of that lesion. So I'm going to biopsy it. So this was a uh, amelanotic melanoma, because it doesn't match these other things that we expect to see. This is another amelanotic melanoma. This one lacks also any kind of pigment at the periphery, but it does have those coiled glomeruloid vessels within it. So a really important pattern to recognize. All right, so here's another predominantly pink. What else do you see in this picture? Lots of vessels. Make yourself look at the edge. What else is there? Yep, so there's some tan pigment that one of those black arrows is pointed to. So. When I look at something that's predominantly pink, I make myself look for any kind of pigment network because it makes me a little bit more worried. So tan pigment here, does it fit a benign nevus? No. Does it have any of the regression structures that Jenny talked about, the structuralist areas? Well, no, it's mostly kind of vascular patterns. So we talked about some of the worrisome vascular patterns. What are some of the vascular patterns you see, whether they're benign, malignant, whatever? Serpentine, yeah, definitely. There's uh, another one. So dotted, definitely some bigger dotted ones there. And then when you get those two together, polymorphous. So blood vessels that are long and serpentine like this, that is worrisome. So this is something that needs to come off. 
And what's helpful is that you now know that it, this is part of lesion as well. So getting this for your dermatopathologist so they can see this, getting this entire lesion, it even goes off the field of the photo down here, getting that whole lesion helps you get more information uh, from the pathologist. So a mixture of different vessel types. And that was a melanoma as well. So what pink patterns do we see? I'm gonna give you a zoom in. So this is a 36-year-old woman with a new spot on her shin. You put your dermlite down onto it. And maybe there's some little pink dots in the background here, but it seems like it's taking up the whole lesion. We also see the stellite uh, scar-like center with a little bit of pigment network around the outside. So what do you think these are? DFs, yeah. So 67-year-old woman, she has this centimeter and a half long kind of pink spot that's kind of itchy. It's been on her thigh for a couple of years. I'm not super impressed by the clinical appearance, but you know, it looks like she's got pretty tan skin. We probably need to take a closer look. So we put our derm lights down on it. And this is what we see. So what's the predominant finding that you see? So crystalline structures, really good. So you're seeing these white kind of linear shapes. You know, you might say, well, isn't this a starburst? Well, maybe it is, but it's not in the center. It's not, you know, really nicely symmetrical. So it's not a dermatofibroma. You're seeing really just these white linear crystalline structures in an irregularly sort of asymmetric lesion. And the take-home point from this one is that these shiny lines, this crystalline or chrysalis, is not always in melanoma. This was luckily a superficial basal cell skin cancer. Um, so don't always think that those white lines have to be melanoma. I don't want you like unnecessarily anxious or giving the patient the talk about that they might need a three-inch excision or something like that. Know that this is a structure and a change that happens in the papillary dermis, but it is not melanoma specific. This is, again, just a reinforcement. You have the melanoma on the top, the superficial basal cell down on the bottom. All right, so 40-year-old woman with a new growth on her left arm, pretty pink lesion. So the one on the left is a dermatofibroma. The one on the right is a mostly pink spitz nevus. So these lesions can look very similar clinically, but they're gonna look different when you put your dermatoscope down on them. So on the left-hand side, you get that all red dots on this papule. On the right-hand side, this is the pigmented version of a spitz nevus, or what's called a Reed's nevus. You can see that it has the homogeneous pattern of pigment uh, in the center, but at the edge, this is those uh, tennis racket or pseudopod structures at the very edge. Um, these typically, uh, when you look at them clinically, you're like drawn to them immediately because they're so darkly pigmented. Um, we do, I personally, my practice is to just get these off people because otherwise I'm just gonna keep staring at it over and over and over. And I also need to rule out that it's not a nodular melanoma. So seeing some of the white structure that's on the surface here, you might say, well, gosh, is that early crystalline structure? That's a little worrisome. This is a sign of growth. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody's gonna take fault for taking off a Reed's nevus or a darkly pigmented spitz, whatever you like to call it. So cherry angiomas, um, these we see all the time, but I've had a number of people come in because they're very worried about a lesion that suddenly turned black. And so they notice this sudden black lesion and they come and they say, gosh, oh my gosh, is this melanoma? Did I get bitten by a tick? Like what's this ring around the outside? This is a, something that is a melanoma mimicker um, because of the darkness of the color, but it's a benign lesion. Um, it's called a targetoid for the kind of target rings that you can see there, uh, hemosiderata comangioma. So this is actually sort of a thrombosed vascular lesion that's completely benign, um, but it's pretty common that people notice this sudden dark change in color from the thrombosis and get worried about it. You can put your derm light down on it and see that target shape even a little bit better. This purple ring around the outside, a little bit of a pallor, and then the hemangioma on the inside that's now thrombosed. So it doesn't look 
exactly like the maroon lagoons where you have these red lagoons with the white septae in between, many numerous septae. And we see a lot of these red bumps in clinic. So clinically, they just all look very homogenous. And the point that I really like my uh, dermatoscope for is that I can really distinguish these a lot better now. And I can help myself to be less worried or not worried about some and really focus my efforts on the ones that are more worrisome rather than either ignoring them all or biopsy them all. So this is a 55-year-old woman with this new papule. Again, history sort of plus minus on how new it is versus it could have been there for years. Um, so red thing popping up. And that can sometimes look very similar to other lesions in a very different population. So a 14-year-old boy with this red papule on his fifth finger. Clinically, we think this is a pyogenic granuloma. But kids actually get skin cancer, unfortunately. So it's just really important to reassure us and reassure them that this is absolutely nothing worrisome. And there's even more sort of moist red lesions that can pop up on patients. So what are all these pink moist lesions that pop up on different aged patients? So when you put your derm light down onto one of them, this is a clear cell acanthoma. So very well demarcated lesion these are those clusters of pearls. They're red pearls on sort of a pink stromal background. This pattern, I think, is one of the prettiest things that I've seen uh, in dermatology. So it's always fun to kind of find one of these. You can distinguish it from a pyogenic granuloma where there is sort of a thicker keratin uh, collar. So you can see a little bit of this height, but also the, the white waxy or yellow waxy color, and then a homogenous red. Some people also say that you can get a peach appearance. So this is like the wedge on the peach. This is still a pyogenic granuloma. So homogenous red with a collarette. Now, again, can you see nodular melanomas that are amelanotic? Can they happen? Absolutely, which is why we tend to shave these off, cauterize the base, but send it. So that way we get the pathology report. And you can still write to yourself, you know, thought I saw a collarette, homogenous red, no pigment at the edge, PG. And that way you can reinforce and you get a nice path report for that patient that it was just a benign growth. And this is one of my last cases, another reminder about why I use a derm light and why I stay humble. So this is a woman who came into clinic, it was pretty late one night, uh, and she's a dance mom. So my daughters both take dance, and this is a woman whose daughters go to the same dance studio. And she came in, she had a, a history of basal cell, and I looked at this, and I was like, gosh, maybe this is just a dermal nevus that I didn't put in my note before, but I'm gonna see her every week and have to look at that spot, so I need to be right. And that's probably a poor lesion, or a poor reason, but I, I used it. Uh, and I put my derm light on it. I was like, ah, oh, it's probably gonna be a dermal nevus. It's gonna be, you know, maybe a basal cell. So I'm thinking, am I gonna see, you know, some of these elongate serpentine vessel, vessels, some arborizing vessels? Am I gonna see, you know, a little bit of that brown pigment and those comma-shaped vessels? I didn't take a dermatoscopic image, but this is a representative one. I didn't see any of that stuff. Honestly, I looked at it, I was like, I can't put this in a category, so I need to biopsy it. And that almost felt a little bad because now I'm gonna look at this woman every week and I'm gonna see my biopsy site and I'm like, I better do a good job on this one. So what I saw and what you can see in this image, and here's a, a cartoon of it, is really just the entire thing is this milky red background. What you see superimposed on top of it where this black arrow is pointing is a pretty thick vessel right at the edge. And here's another one here. And here are some crystalline structures. So maybe those two things together, you might be thinking basal cell, but it's not really arborizing the way I expected. And this really dark milky background is not what I expected either. So I sent it off. Oh, you'll get the answer. Ugh, my title came off, sorry. It was uh, Merkel cell. So she is a 50-year-old woman. Uh, 
the face is a good place for Merkel cell, but all of the epidemiologic data, if you, you know, you'd say this, this one didn't read the textbook. She's not a man. She's not super sun damaged. She's not in her 60s. Um, so this was one of those times where, you know, again, I kind of had an idea of what I was going to see, and I was prepared to kind of match up what I was seeing against all the patterns in my brain, but I didn't see it. And I couldn't give her a name. Uh, of what I thought it was. So it came off, and luckily it was a sub-centimeter, so smaller than one centimeter, um, and she actually did pretty well. Um, so I was really what, happy that it worked out that way. Um, so just to reinforce some of these vascular changes that we see, you can use whatever you see in this photo, whether it was from the brownish things that you saw with Jenny or some of the pinkish patterns that I talked about, put them together even, um, which pink pattern predominates in this lesion? Is it comma vessels, dotted vessels, serpentine vessels, or the string of pearls pattern? Excellent, yeah. So again, basal cells don't always have an arborizing pattern, but you will see some very long, elongated, slightly curved vessels. Comma vessels, relatively shorter with a slight arc. Dotted vessels pinpoint the string of pearls that we see in uh, clear cell acanthoma, not really present here. So what pink or vascular pattern predominates in this lesion? Good. So this one is not the same picture as what I showed you earlier of the string of pearls pattern. But in areas you can see the stromal background and strings of these dotted vessels creating some lines in different places. So this is still a clear cell acanthoma. A glomeruloid pattern is not so much a constellation of dots, but sort of looping in arcuate vessels all clustered together. Um, and so while these are clustering and making patterns, there are some areas where they're linear, and the things that are clustering are dots rather than loops of vessels, which is what we see in the glomeruloid pattern. And yes, these are dots, but they're sort of creating a unique structure, which is when we take those dots together and call them the string of pearls pattern. So just to reinforce what we just covered, which is there are some patterns that we can say very safely are benign. There are some patterns that we can say we're pretty much always worried about, especially the ones on the right-hand side. But if you're seeing any of these vessel patterns, especially in only parts of a lesion, that's when you want to say, why is it asymmetrical? Maybe I need to do a biopsy of this. And also taking into account everything that you're seeing, as we've both mentioned. There are going to be brown structures on the skin. There are going to be vascular structures. Put it all together and come out with sort of an idea of, I, I saw this pigment network. I'm also seeing some dotted vessels, and it's only in part of it. Maybe I need to biopsy that lesion. So just a list reinforcing how those cartoon um, patterns are associated with different diagnoses that we see. And we're going to move on to hair and nails in just a moment. Oh, great question. How does stretching a basal cell help diagnosis? So try this when you go into clinic if you haven't done it before. Find something that you know to be a dermal nevus and stretch it. And you're not going to see much happen. Don't be impressed. But if you find something that you are like relatively certain is going to be a basal cell, put your hands on either side, just your thumbs, and kind of stretch it. It's going to turn white. So that is a change that I pretty much only see in basal cell skin cancers. And it's part of my exam is like running my hands over people's faces and just putting some light <clears throat> tension on their skin. Because sometimes those infiltrative or micronodular basal cells they're, they're not making a big bump in the skin. Maybe they don't have great arborizing vessels, but when you stretch them, you get that white change. 
Nope, just, just visually. Yep, good question. <clears throat> oh, yeah, so good question. How do you proceed with vascular structures for, uh, structures for a patient of color since hues uh, like pink might be harder to see? So <clears throat> one of the reasons that I kind of purposely didn't put a ton of skin of color photos in is that learning dermoscopy is hard. Learning it when you can see structures is hard. Learning it when it's a little more subtle and harder to see them is even harder. Um, so people's natural skin color to an extent does obstruct, but it does not completely remove the findings. So a melanoma is still going to have some of the, you know, peppering, the chrysalis. Uh, you're still going to see vessels within that lesion. So while it's um, slightly different, they are still there. Um, and that was another really good question that came up at the break, which was like, how does this change for people with skin of color? There's a couple of studies out there showing that the number of patterns in, of nevi and the patterns that are most common in people with skin of color are slightly different than people with lighter skin of color, but it's not that you don't see the patterns. It's not that their skin color completely obstructs it. That is not the case. You're still gonna see all similar structures, similar patterns, same benign patterns are benign in people with skin of color. The same malignant patterns are malignant in people with skin of color. Why is transecting a bad thing? <clears throat> so transecting a basal cell or squamous cell doesn't matter. Transecting a melanoma is most useful because the most important piece of information that you can get and your patient deserves to have is how thick a melanoma is because after a certain depth that person is qualified or should consider having a sentinel lymph node biopsy. That sort of threshold for when you refer is always constantly moving, but it's somewhere between 0.75 millimeters and one millimeter. And especially in uh, young people with thin melanoma is like 0.75, if it's thicker than that, then we're more likely to refer them to the surgical oncologist for both the excision with a sentinel lymph node biopsy right afterwards. So yeah. transection is a melanoma issue. And as, as Jocelyn mentioned earlier, using your dermatoscope can help you define the entire diameter because you want to get the whole diameter in addition to the depth. Um, we've got good studies that show that what may look the darkest or ugliest to our eye is not the deepest part of the lesion always. So you may look at something, realize it's broader than you thought when you pull out your dermatoscope, and that way you're sure that you're going to be removing the entire lesion for analysis. Yeah. Um, and also what you think is the thinnest area might not be. So the part that looks white and you think it's all gone, it's usually not. So that's why it's useful to include even that part of a lesion where there's sort of dropout, where you think, well, there's pigment network everywhere. And Jenny had a nice picture that somebody pointed out and asked a question about. It's all white over here. What should I call that? I was like, don't worry about what you call it. The fact that you saw that there was something missing out of a chunk of this lesion is important. And that says it's not symmetrical and it's time to biopsy it but get that whole white area rather than think that it's gone. <clears throat> um, how do you use, like, utilize dermoscopy with people where you're uh, questioning hyperkeratotic lesions? So this is a really good question because we're trying to identify perhaps an actinic keratosis versus a verrucal keratosis. Um, I don't find a ton of verruca vulgaris, like true virally mediated warts in older people, but they do have a, a ton of keratoses that sort of grow with these filiform or finger-like projections, as well as the typical seborrheic keratoses. Um, and so I'm really looking for some of the vascular changes around the outside to tell me if I need to worry about that being a squamous cell. But honestly, it's a lot of um, palpation. So um, if I'm trying to figure out uh, if I'm worried about an actinic keratosis, I'm feeling them. I'm looking for hyperkeratosis. So is it thickening and, and rising up above the skin? Um, and with seborrheic keratoses and verrucal keratoses, you still see that sort of uniform filiform projection um, even when you look at them with the derm light. Uh, let's see terminologies or descriptions? Oh yeah, so do I write down what I see dermatoscopically in my chart or in my path requisition? Um, yes and yes. 
So my pathologist doesn't really care that if I write something in the requisition form, they're actually just thrilled that I wrote something because a lot of times they get like lesion. You know, and, and pathologists love information. They love a description. They want to know something. So I've not yet had any pathologist complain that I put my dermatoscopic findings in my path requisition. I do also put them in my note because that way I'm always pulling out my past note before I go into the room. And I'm kind of saying, this is what I thought I saw last time. Let me see if I see that this time. Maybe my eye's gotten better or maybe something has changed. So I think putting it in one place or the other is just fine. Um, what percentage of melanomas are amelanotic? That's a really good question. I don't know that statistic off the top of my head. It's, I mean, it's overall a low number. Like, this is terrifying. They're terrifying when you get that report back because you thought it was a basal cell or you almost said, ah, forget about it and send the patient on their way or maybe you did the first visit. Um, You'll read different studies that will have different percentages because, as Jocelyn mentioned, what one person calls amelanotic and another calls amelanotic may be different because when you look at those edges, a lot of times there is pigment, even though the majority of the lesion is amelanotic. So what gets included in a study for the purpose of epidemiology may be very different. The bottom line is it is a low percentage. Um, it's, it's just that it's, it's scary when it happens and what we all try to miss, to avoid missing. Dermoscopy characteristics for DFSP. I think the challenge with dermoscopy for DFSP is similar to the challenge I had when I was looking for those Merkel cell dermoscopies because with Merkel cell, you're never thinking, oh, I'm going to biopsy this Merkel cell, so I'm going to take a ton of pictures beforehand. That never happens. But with DFSPs, they're very often either something you thought was a cyst or a DF, so again, you weren't looking to photograph it, or it's quite obviously, you know, this tuberous plaque that's growing on somebody, and you don't even put your dermatoscope on it because you're like, this is a DFSP. So there aren't a lot of studies looking at the dermatoscopic um, characteristics of a DFSP. Um, we've spent a lot of our time so far really looking at the hair-bearing skin of kind of the typical body. So what I want to move on to are how dermoscopy can be useful for alopecia, but also how we also need to use dermoscopy on um, the non-glabrous skin, so the palms, the soles, and the nails as well. Um, But I'll finish up a couple more questions. <laughs> um, do you think that it helps to wipe lesions with an alcohol swab? I do, only because otherwise the air creates an artifact. Um, do I perform shave biopsies? I would say yes with the caveat that my shaves uh, become scoops if I'm thinking that something could be a melanoma. Um, pearls with fibrous papules, um, good question. So with a fibrous papule, you see um, dotted vessels throughout the lesion, but none of the arborizing vessels. And also when you do that trick clinically stretching them, they never really turn white. Um, the downside is that people still don't like them, and if you're not convinced, you're going to shave it off and it's going to grow white right back. So that's just really common um, with fibrous papules. This has been a presentation of Dermcast.tv, the official online media resource for the Society of Dermatology PAs.